Tomorrow is promised to no one. It is easy to get caught up in the inertia of everyday life, but what is the difference between existing and truly living? What do you have when status, money, and your role are stripped away? What makes life worth living? This is MJ. I love Spider-Man, and it's time to talk about Spider-Man Life Story, issue number four. So while we look at the cover, I'm going to just open it up and read that. Uh, so Chip Zdarsky is the writer, Mark Begley was the penciler, Andrew Hennessy was the inker, and the colorist was Frank Dermata, and uh, Travis Lanham does the letters. So um, is there anything else? Oh, again, Zdarsky uh, does the cover, and as I look at this cover, um, I want to say uh, I like it a lot um, the <laughs> I, I think one thing funny about it is uh, I feel like they were really trying to show his age so this is you know 40 years after he got his spider powers originally so the guy's at least what 55 and um, looking a little thick looking a little pudgy um, one of my favorite aspects though of this cover I, first of all again all the simplicity of all these covers is so great um, but looking at it now after having read the issue which, you know, again, spoilers for one through three for sure, and, you know, light spoilers for four to, light to heavy spoilers for four, so if you haven't read this, uh, I recommend you go get it. It's great, um, very enjoyable, um, but that being said, spoiler warning given, uh, I want to go ahead and talk about what I think about it, which is uh, the cover showing a building, you know, big glass building, and the fact that Peter is the head of Parker Industries at this time, and... He has been for a while, but, you know, he's, like, corporate office businessman. Um, the, you know, there's that glass panel that's cracked. Uh, it's cracked over his face. Um, the different Peter, the other Spider-Man on the other side of that, is not in the same exact pose as him. So, you know, it's a hint. It's slightly different, but it's a hint that it's a different guy. Um, he looks about the same, you know, frame. Um his body looks about the same, so it's not like it's totally different, but, you know, it leans into the fact that this is this is really guarding the clone saga and Ben Riley and stuff. Um, but I also feel like it <laughs> represents, like, a duality or, like, a, like a fakeness. Um, like, maybe he's feeling, Peter's feeling, like, empty or hollow, and, uh, I don't know, maybe even, like, he's a fake or there's something wrong beneath the surface. Um, just like this Spider-Man beneath the surface of the glass looks different from him, even though he shouldn't, because they're supposed to be the same. Um, that's pretty darn interesting. Uh, well, uh, I will continue talking about the rest of the issue in a moment. The opening page of the story makes it even uh, more clear that this is, you know, dealing with the clone saga. You're in Chicago, or you see that you're in Chicago, and you've got a guy who's a photographer, he's got brown hair and glasses, and not, I wasn't 100% sure at first that it was Ben until, you know, Doc Ock, um, you know, makes his splash and, uh, you know, informs him that he's looking for the red mask, and I was uh, a little thrown by that, but, you know, once I got that it was Ben Riley and he had gone to visit May, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, uh, I don't know if I'd, let me pull out the comic, would I technically call this a two-page spread or not? Where did I put the book? Huh. Well, anyway, due to the, I, I guess what I was going to say was that I am impressed by how succinct 
the storytelling is. In just uh, one and a half or two pages, we learn that Ben Riley is now a photographer either for the news or I, I guess the news makes the most sense. I was going to say like a crime photographer, but that, that doesn't make sense. And the lady he's with is clearly a journalist. So, so yeah, it's not technically a two-page spread, but you know, this story is told over two pages. We also learn, and I guess I'm, again, I'll, to warn, I'm going full, full spoilers, that uh, Aunt May is dead, that um, Doc Ock is seeking revenge, that Ben snuck away from Chicago or, you know, snuck over to New York during her funeral to see her off because he has all of Peter's memories. I mean, we don't, I mean, we know about that, but he's basically, you know, he's Peter 2.0 and he has all Peter's memories. So he uh, gets all the remorse that, you know, the real Peter Parker, the guy who was actually raised by her, would have. Um, and that's pretty darn impressive. Like, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, no. <laughs> three plus three is six, seven, eight, nine. Nine panels spread over two pages, which the traditional classic comic books, I believe, would have a three by three uh, grid layout that they typically told, or that, like the earliest stuff told um, stories in. And this one is similar uh, in that it has nine pages, but they're spread over... Um, or nine panels spread over two pages, and those images tell all that story in just a select amount of dialogue. And uh, it's really cool. It's really effective. I'm impressed by that. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't really have anything else to say about that, so I guess I'll stop and move on to the next thing. If you're following along with the series of reviews that I'm doing on these, and you're, uh, you know, now we're into the fourth um, one, uh, I hope you know already that I think this story is great. Um, but I'm going to, so I'm not going to belabor that, but I am going to talk about reasons why I think it's great or, or things that I find really interesting about it. Um, you've got, uh, Peter here, head of Parker Industries, uh, Mary Jane and the children are living in Portland, it looks like. And he, as a, um, wealthy young man about town, or even though he's like, what, 45 probably at this point, um, he's even graying a little bit, uh, he has like a bat cave uh, for himself. He goes over to a bookshelf, he, uh, you know, clicks on something and it opens up, you know, his spider cave and he's got all these suits in there. I, you know what? I don't know that we get to see all the suits or just the one. I think we really just get to see the one, but you can tell there's something going on there. And what I find most striking is that this image actually, to me, um, is very well reflected by the image of Norman Osborn uh, in his... Lair, I guess, in, where is it, Jersey? Um, but, yeah, N- Norman's basically got the same sort of thing where he's cloistered, he's alone. Um, he is so disconnected from Harry that he doesn't even know what's going on with him right now. Um, I mean, he kind of keeps tabs on him, but he doesn't know him personally, and that's so clear when... He doesn't have a personal relationship, and that's super clear uh, by the end of Peter and Norman's interactions with each other. But uh, the last issue ended with uh, Mary Jane leaving and Peter sitting alone in a chair and May was there and uh, you know enfeebled May was there and he was you know upset despondent whatever and the first image that we see of Norman in this book is of Norman sitting alone in a chair it's a homey looking chair uh, looks pretty comfortable I think the guy's in slippers he's reading a book but he's surrounded by uh, a little kitchenette he's like in a warehouse with a kitchenette in it and then all this goblin stuff and he's kind of the inverse of peter right now they're both alone 
they're both uh, surrounded by or their homes are their businesses because they have nothing else left. They have living children. They have family that they can connect to, but they refuse to. And that's just shocking to me. See, actually seeing the, the, when I turned the page and saw Peter uh, walking in on Norman, I thought, Peter, you have become Norman. Like, this is your future. And that's so scary and so sad. And it, uh, it, it really hit me. It was good, good stuff, good work. Uh, at the open of this uh, review, um, I kind of waxed poetically about how, you know, what are you when everything else is stripped away? And Peter himself, uh, I don't know if he says this to Jessica, um, whatever, alias investigations, Jessica Jones, there we go. I don't know if he says this to Jessica Jones or if it's his internal monologue, but um, he talks about the fact that he, in addition to doing the Barker industry stuff, has been acting as Spider-Man for these many, for, you know, this decade or so since MJ and the kids left and that he uh, is just going through the motions. It doesn't really bring him any joy or satisfaction he's just doing it he says like an old man hitting the gym uh like it's just his routine and it's interesting when he is shaken from things by being brought back into contact with ben by figuring out uh that norman was behind this whole plot to try to trick him and ruin his life it actually woke him up and it shook him from complacency and it allowed him to realize what is most important in his life that he doesn't want to be an old man alone like Norman, like Otto, who's desperately clinging on to existence just for the sake of existing. And, and I wonder how much of Otto uh, lamenting that he had failed to accomplish so much or there was so much that he had, you know, yet to accomplish. Uh, and that's why he wanted to live. If um, that helped jar Peter and make him realize that uh, he has so much to live or he has so much to accomplish in being a father. Like, he never got to be, wow, I didn't think about this till just now, he never got to be a father um, or really have a close relationship with his father because his parents died when he was really young. And now that he is a father, that he has these children who were taken from him when they were weeks old, uh, he has an opportunity to use or to do something scary that he's never had the opportunity to do before, that he's never really experienced in a very powerful way. Um, and I just think that's interesting. And it's fascinating to me that what ends up happening is that he, uh, swaps lives with Ben and allows him to take on the persona of Peter. And he kind of chooses to fade into obscurity because, um, he knows that, uh, there's a part of him that wants that. And it's interesting. Uh, there's an exchange between them and Peter system to Ben, like, or, you know, new Peter, whatever, uh, like you led a quiet life and I got to be here and um, I get that he has a sense for, of the appreciation for that because as Peter Parker uh, and Spider-Man early on before you know the whole clone thing, I'm sure there were times when he wanted to walk away to just have his life. And in this way, he gets to do that. And uh, I think I, if I remember correctly, part of what the uh, folks at Marvel wanted to do with the clone saga was maybe allow Peter and Ben to share the life and the identity of Spider-Man um, so that it you know was less of a terrible burden, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And it's kind of funny that, uh, that idea is explored here with, um, you know, with Ben and Peter switching places basically. And what even is more shocking to me is that, uh, they do the clone 
Peter is the was the clone all along fake out in just this issue. It, you know, it started here, it's resolved here, and I, don't know, I think that's pretty neat. And then the uh, the closing bit where Peter goes back, or you know, yeah, goes back to his family. By the way, those kids do not look ten years old. What what year is this? Is this just putting us in the eighties? I gotta I gotta be pedantic and double check the dates. Anyway, I'm not gonna do that at this moment. I'm gonna let it be. Um, but uh, wow, the idea of you know Peter getting to have this normal home life uh, is so sweet and so touching and so moving, especially because. Uh, he was being like a terrible, you know, husband and father before he was, he was absentee. He wasn't there. And now he's, you know, taken, uh, inspiration from these villains. Um, oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. He's taken inspiration from these villains and he's decided to not walk down their path. But, um, I kind of wanted to, to make another one of my, you know, non-comics commentaries, uh, at the end here and say that, it's interesting to me that Peter does benefit from his experiences with Norman and with Otto, and he can feel empathy for them, and he obviously, like, whether or not Norman Osborn still has, like, the Green Goblin strength, he is still brilliant, and he has, you know, a criminal, sick mind that he wants to use to, you know, hurt Peter and those he loves. Um, You know, he's talking about manipulating Harry and stuff, and uh, in trying to do that in showing Peter what his life will look like if he only focuses on those who he hates or on maybe not if he focuses on on the wrong thing but if he fails to pick up on the right things from people uh, I, I I guess what I'm the point I'm driving at trying to get to it's in my mind uh, and I'm just having a hard time connecting to it specifically is that all hardship all uh, obstacles can break us or build us up they can make us stronger and i really like that they show that peter chooses to be stronger ben flies into a murderous rage and he almost beats otto to death with his hands and uh, peter tries to stop him and ben says to him something like did you think i don't like did you think i don't have your self-control and your sense of right and wrong you think i would have actually killed this guy and that was an interesting thing because maybe he would have accidentally killed him i don't know uh and, you know, we can never know because Peter did stop him from doing it. But, uh, gosh, I don't know why Peter didn't lunge at, uh, at Otto and, and break free at that time. Like, is he, was Ben an imperfect clone? I'm not sure. But the, the real point I'm getting at while I'm distracting myself from trying to say it is that, uh, you know, I, I talked about in the last, uh, review that it felt like a, a bit of a, a nod to and a, uh, put down of one more day, and I wonder if um, Zdarsky made Peter make those terrible choices so that he could come th- to this realization and to make it a, a richer, um, more poignant uh, lesson because it came with such a cost to you know both Peter and the reader, uh, you know, to be experiencing the story with him. Because uh, it was funny after reading it the second time today, I I did come away with the realization that you know what every obstacle that I face can be something that can make me better, make me, I don't know, more humble and, uh, you know, help me to focus on the things that really matter in life. And I don't know, I I feel like I'm going to start blathering too much and just not making sense. So I'll go ahead and stop here. But just, uh, it's cool that this gets to be like a fun adventure story about a mad scientist uh, trying to hack 
two clones or uh, a clone so that he can learn a clone and, and the original subject so that he can learn how to extend his life. Meanwhile, an old supervillain who dressed up like a like he uh, you know stumbled through a Halloween shop, um, you know, and throws pumpkin bombs and stuff like that. He gets to uh, <laughs> like that the, they impart these great lessons to Peter and that, you know, by reading and by empathizing with Peter or whatever, um, you know, that I, those things kind of hit me too. And of course it's things that I know. Um, but the great thing about fiction is that it can always remind you of things that, you know, and help you to, I don't know, embrace them more, uh, or, uh, helps you to see that you're getting in your own way. I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, King David and, and the prophet telling him the story, and then he gets mad and like, oh, that man should be killed. And the prophet says to him, you're that man. Um, and it's just, uh, I, don't know, I just appreciate comics and stories and especially Spider-Man um, for all the good things that are in it, all the cool stuff and uh, just how much it makes me think about my own life and how I can be better, how I can be just a little bit more like the old webhead. Thanks for sticking with me. Check out mjmunoz.com for more of my work. I talk about tokusatsu and write original fiction you can find there. I'm also participating in Toku Timber, making tokusatsu-inspired art for the month of September. I'm an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through copy. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mjmunoz.com STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. Uh, I really want to grow this channel. I just started it. I've had a couple views on each video so far, just a couple, like less than five. And uh, I think I got one subscriber so far since a couple days after I started it or uh, launched it officially. And I'd like to get a lot more than that. So, uh, you know, maybe spread the word that there's a new guy on the block talking about classic comics that are quality. And uh, I'm willing to uh, toast them and roast them as I see fit uh, per comic. And, uh, yeah, I have no loyalty, no allegiance, except I like Marvel generally, so I'm going to be exploring that. So if anyone wants uh, somebody who's into the classic stuff and, you know, kind of wants to stick to the content more than anything and remain neutral and, you know, use the comics as a launching point for further discussion or for thinking about things, um, then, uh, yeah, tell them about me and tell them to check me out. Uh, I plan to make this... Uh, entertaining endeavor for everybody involved and for at least stuff to come out once a week again like I said I've got another channel and I'm a writer and I've got a full-time job uh working overtime and stuff and uh you know I'm doing what I can so anyway um help me out uh liking subscribing sharing all that stuff is really going to help and I'm going to go ahead and read to you my little uh, uh outro stuff that I've supplied if you had a good time like and share this subscribe and ring that bell to catch me next time I'm swinging through comics